Well, guys, I think we'll get started. Welcome. It's kind of waiting. I know, I know the class said it was full, and, and it doesn't look full, so there may be some folks in route, or um, they, they heard me in the first session and bailed, so they're not coming back. So not sure, not sure if that's good for you or, or not, but there'll be a lot more time for, for discussion. But let me take care of some of the um, opening things that, that they're expecting me to cover. Um, sure. Did you do that? Thank you. Um, certainly, you, you've heard this before already, that Synergy is a place um, for you to build relationships and collaborate. So we're hoping and encouraging that you're going to build some new relationships and exchange contact information and, uh, and let other people help you. I learned this a long time ago. Um, you can just about get um, higher education for a cup of coffee or a steak. If you sit down with people who really are experts in their field or know something you need to know, um, most of the time it only costs you a cup of coffee and they'll be happy to share what they know. And so I think the greatest way to learn is from other people and um, also want to encourage you to ask. Make it, make it your, um, your lifelong pursuit to say, hey, I want, I want to be a, a learner. What can you tell me? What, what, you know, a great question to ask somebody um, is uh, like this, this great pastor walking in the door here um, is, is tell, me, tell me what you think I should know. Tell me what you think I should know. If you had one thing that you wish people would know about, whatever that subject is, what, what is that? And that can open up a great conversation. Um, and you can learn a lot for free. And usually um, it's, it's a lot better to to learn from somebody that's doing it rather than someone who's just teaching about it and hasn't done it before. Um, especially if your goal is not just information, but actually to the practical application of it. So, great. So, my name is Brent Heisman. Um, I pastor in Newcomerstown, Ohio, which is a little village that's south of Canton, about 40 miles um, on the, in the southeast area of our state. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from Polaris. It's about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh, hour and a half from Cleveland. It's about an hour and a half from everywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we enjoy it. Beautiful rolling hills. We have been there for 15 years. Um, over the last three years, um, at different periods of time, we've um, walked alongside of as many as uh, two additional churches in revitalizations. And uh, that has been a lot of fun and also a lot of challenge, challenging times with that. Um, I also serve um, with a group of uh, um, church life consultants in the Ohio Ministry Network. And I've, I have a master's in um, leadership through church life. And uh, John Musgrave and I have spent lots of time together um, spending lots of money on church life and, and, and education. So... Uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, just this past year is the first time we've done an additional um, church life training uh, cohort on the east side of the state, and I've been doing that. And the fun thing about that for me, I love church life no matter where it's at, but this time um, I have some uh, pastors and some people from non-Assembly of God churches, and um, I'll give you this little antidote had a um, lady, she's probably late 60s, um, is from a Wesleyan background, has a 
a master's in counseling, is on staff at the church. She told me up front the first time that um, she's a little leery. She's excited about the course content, but a little bit leery because of the tongue thing, is how she said it. And I, I, I'm not sure what that really had to do with what our focus was, but because it was, I was associated with that. But we, um, we normally open with prayer, um, and we, we, we call it directed prayer. And uh, um, someone gave a message in tongues during that time. And I had, I had kind of told people, you know, don't kill anybody, okay? Um, but um, they had forgotten. I forgot to warn them that morning. Uh, but it really it turned out to be a great thing. She came up afterwards, and I, I kind of pastored that moment. But um, she came up afterwards and said, you know what? That was really cool. That is the first time I have ever heard a message in tongues and an interpretation. And it, it was really cool. I could feel the presence of God. And thank you. Thank you for pastoring that. And I was, was like, <laughs> not sure if I pastored it or survived it. But, um, but it, it, has been, it has been a lot of fun. So today, um, you have... If you can still get on your app, if, if it's not getting blown up um, by everybody getting on it, there are at least two uploads for this um, class, and they look a lot like this network and this railroad. And if you would like to have a hard copy, I think I have enough copies of that to give everybody a hard copy. And if somebody would like to volunteer and say, I'll be happy to pass these out to anybody that wants it, thank you. And, you, and I thought you came here to heckle me. (laughs) She's going to help and heckle at the same time. That's good. Um, These these two, I mean, if if they want this too, I'll refer to that later. But yeah, they can have those. I'm not sure if there's enough for everybody to have those, but we'll do the best we can. Um, Tiffany has, is that right? I got that right. Tiffany has the two handouts that are uploaded specifically for this class. If you go back to the 1030 class, and there's another discipleship um, class talking about skills, there are two additional uploads that have entry-level discipleship milestones and skills and level one discipleship milestones and skills. Um, We may have enough of the entry level um, for everybody to get a hard copy. I know we don't have any more entry-level one um, the level one uh, discipleship milestone skills, but you are welcome to upload them and use them, and I'll make a, a little bit of reference to those. So today we're aiming at processes to develop, talk about, strategize a bit about what kind of a process do we want to um, provide our people um, in discipleship, um, how many of you have been through, you know, a, kind of a systematic um, training or class where you have? I'll just throw this out: Christianity 101, um, systematic theology 101, systematic theology 102, and every single one of them has a number and it increases and in order to get to whatever it is in, in 04 or, or level 4, you've got to have other things. Um, I'm certainly not saying that you can't do that. I'm saying that that's probably not the approach you're going to hear from me um, today. 
Um, we certainly could talk about that and pros and cons of it. But what I would like is I would like to create a process, an organic, uh, flexible process that has as many on-ramps as possible in the discipleship process. So it's, it's person-centered, personal-centered. So when you are um, discipling an individual, you can use the process to pinpoint where they need to start and sometimes even more importantly where they want to start. How many of you know that there have been times that you started something and you've put up with the process to get you to what you wanted? Okay? And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to make sure that um, we have a bit of an understanding that these are the things we need to do, but at the same time, if we can develop a process that um, every single person, you would have your own on-ramps, you would have your own discipleship process. The, the pieces would probably be very similar to everybody else's, but you may start somewhere else. And it certainly would be flexible enough that if somebody had already been um, a Christian for a while, that you're not running them through the, the entire um, one, you know, basic level, entry level discipleship. So having said that, there's, there's a couple of handouts I've given you, um, and they're on the upload, digital copies of the upload. But if you'll look at the uh, colorful piece of paper with the circles on it, um, this, this I've just called our network. And th- this, is, this is probably... Two and a half, three years of trying to figure out um, a very simple, reproducible approach that I can explain this to you and you're going to be able to take it home and do it with anybody. And you can probably get your fifth graders to do it with somebody. But it's, it's, it's simple. It basically is relationship-centered. You'll see the words mentor, peer, up-and-coming. If you don't like that language, you can put spiritual parent, brothers and sisters, spiritual children. Um, but it's a it's a it's a growth relationship process where through relationships and through um, accountable relationships, people choose a growth area, some place they want to grow, and the mentors and the peers are assigned to them according to, or at least minister to them, according to what goal they have. So let's, let's make this practical. I have a, um, a, a guy named Trevor in my church. When, um, when he first came to me, um, one of the things I was trying to teach him to do um, was to hear, uh, hear from God accurately. Some people... When, when I talk about hearing from God, and this would be a very important discipleship skill, is that a lot of people, especially my age and older in the church, have been told, um, you know, be careful saying you hear from God all the time. That's a, a common thing. Trevor had just gotten saved, and he got, got gotten saved out of the occult. So 
he heard from all kinds of gods. And all, I mean, su- the supernatural was Trevor's you know, world. He was a lot more supernatural than I was. Um, so that wasn't his issue. But some people struggle from, for, to really hear from God. I believe, because the Scripture teaches that um, we're his sheep and his sheep hear his voice, to the point that when the shepherd calls, that if a strange voice calls, they won't respond. So there's, there's a, a, a level of identification in that hearing that you know it's your Savior's voice. And I think that has to be developed because I think it has to be developed to um, become the people that Christ has called us to become, to grow in our uh, love for God with our, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to grow in relationships with others. It's wonderful to have a word of knowledge or discernment given in a relationships and in, so that you know what to do and have some more information. It's, it's extraordinarily helpful in um, becoming equipped to be a disciple, a disciple and a disciple maker and a person of, that's, that's reaching out and winning um, people to Christ. So I think that's an important thing. So what I would try to do, if somebody was stuck, I'll get back to Trevor in a minute, but if, I was, if somebody was stuck and they couldn't hear from God or said they couldn't hear from God, I, w- I would want to say, okay, that's, that's something you, you know, that's, that's something they got in their heart, that it's, it's a felt need for them. So how do we help you? All right, I'll help you. I know somebody else hears from God regularly, and it's a healthy situation. Let's, let's get their help. So we'll, we'll put a couple of mentors in place, and then I, I, who do you have that's in a similar situation? Well, I know somebody. He doesn't hear from God. Um, he, he, you know, they're struggling too. We, when we read God's Word, we just read through it, and nothing jumps out at us. Well, put those two as peers in your group, and this is what I want you to do. I just want you to tell them the process you're going through, it might inspire them to come through the process too. But tell them what you're doing and ask them to hold you accountable. See how you're doing. Because we're going to set a goal of one, two, three months down the road. And we're going to see if we can't get you hearing accurately the voice of God in your life. And what's, it, what's that going to look like? And then because I'm investing in you, then I want you to find other people that if nothing else, you can just tell them what a bonehead you are. You know, this, I don't get this, and I'm struggling here or whatever. But, but you put them in a, a relationship right on that has them hearing from other people speaking into their lives, being held accountable by peers, which is extraordinarily good people conflict resolution skills. Because you, you want people to get tough enough that they can receive criticism. So you let, them, let the peers beat each other's brains out. And you, you can step in as a mentor and, and say, okay, well, let's quit fighting. Let's get to the source. But that helps them grow, and th- then it puts the urgency also in teaching others what they have learned, simply if it's just this is what you shouldn't do. But, but creating a culture where the relationships that we're in value growth and accountability. So... Um, when I, when I met with Trevor for the first time, um, Trevor had a unique experience that right off the bat before he got saved, um, God spoke to his life and he was called in the ministry before he ever got saved. And he didn't even know what that meant. But um, make a long story longer, 
um, when I led him to Christ in the United Methodist Church's um, youth pastor's office across town, um, I led him to Christ there with the youth pastor. Um, the youth pastor looked at me because of all the supernatural things that he had been involved in in the occult, and he said, he would do a lot better at your church, Pastor Brett. <laughs> so um, I, we launched on a relationship, and immediately I said, okay, Trevor, in the next three months, what do you want to see God do in your life? And the basis of that outline, it, it's spelled out there, is what's What's a skill, what's a goal that you have that you, you hear, you really think God wants you to, to reach? And it can be spiritual, practical, whatever. And then, are, are there any obstacles in the way? And we're going to meet together to work on that. And I immediately put some peers alongside of him and asked him to invest in others. Um, again, what I didn't realize is I built this simply to help me disciple people as quickly as possible. What I didn't realize is everybody that has actively been involved in this, have, have, we, we've not lost a person. It's a great assimilation process too because it builds a net. And if you can imagine you know, several people in your church and they're all kind of interwoven, you've got this whole system, and then now, boy, I tell you what, when a new person comes in, all I have to say, because the culture's changed, I say, will you, will you add them to your network? And they know what that means. And it, it's, it's simple. It's, it's, not, it's not structured. It's just organic. It's just really simple so somebody can pick up and run with that. So that, that would be a very simple, organic process that allows everybody... Um, to enter into a discipleship relationship from wherever they're at. You can, you can do this with somebody who's, um, you know, if you're, if you're a lead pastor of the church and you've got an associate pastor, you can do that with them too. We recommend that you say, what's the goal? What's an obstacle that you need to remove? Let's, let's meet together and work on that so that you can, you can grow. Now, what I add to that now with Trevor is... I've been helping you now for six months. You owe me big time. Okay? There's a litany of things that I've helped that boy with, all right? And, and so I'm saying, now I want you to help me with the church. Because I believe anybody that's growing, if they get a hold of the church, whatever they touch, they're gonna, it's going to grow. So now, not only are we going to meet for me to help you, that's going to continue, but I see this in you, and I want you to help me do this in the church. Now, we'll set a goal, and I want you to be able to um, become a worship leader or uh, take a Sunday school class or um, pick up the, the bookkeeping or the finances or whatever it might be, fill in the blank. And um, every leader um, in, in our network then is encouraged slash required um, to do this well. So it's really, literally changed the culture of the church. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute and take a breath. Um, do you have any questions or comments about that first part? Does that make sense to you, first of all? Brent, Tim? This network is not necessarily a group that meets together. It's just different roles that each other play in each individual life. Is that correct? It's extraordinary flex, extraordinarily flexible, yes. 
So it would be it would be both. Sometimes, you know, in my in my mentor, I set up mentoring times, so that's kind of structured. Um, they, there's teams that meet, so it's that's kind of structured, but it's also very informal. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and usually don't meet necessarily with the mentors or and then the peers. What I would do is I would say, okay, I have my core leaders together, so my core leaders would meet on a regular basis doing this for the church and for themselves. Um, they would meet with their teams that they're developing for their areas of ministry, and then they may have some new converts or some pre-Christian people that they're working with. So it would be, it's more of a organic, I don't control it. I really don't. It's messy. But, um, but what I'm trying to do is help them do it naturally. Does, does that answer the question? I think so. Is there any accountability that each of those people have? So you say, yeah, I, got a, I have a network of people, Pastor, but they don't really talk to them. They don't really meet with them. They don't really invest in them. How do you know? The, the accountability increases with the more responsibility they have. So my leadership team, there's extraordinarily about, amount of com, accountability because in order to meet their goals, I'm requiring them to gather teams to meet them. So immediately right there, there is measurable, you know, what, did, you, did you accomplish the task? Well, no, we didn't get together. So there, there is that involved. The, the, the more informal... Or, the less responsibility, the more informal the accountability. Would this work in a setting with an insecure leader? What I'm saying, background, I was a store manager, and everybody I knew I, that worked under me, I trained them and they knew what I knew, but there was a lot of store managers who would not share with anybody else because they didn't want anybody to go there. And I've seen that in the pastorals too. Pastors get in a position, and they don't want... They, they're afraid, they're threatened by the person, other people in the church. They won't share, can you still do this in that setting? I'm not as smart as Pastor Lund is. What do you think? Because <laughs> you had a question too. Yeah, more of it should be at the curb than in the driveway. Did, did you have a question, too? I was, I was going to refer to, yeah, I did. You know, with, with the mentor issue, do you have, a, you know, a specific process to get that person to, you know, where you're pouring certain core values, things in, so that you, when you release with confidence, you know, okay, they know my heart, they know our values as a ministry, they know, and 
they're not just you know throwing whatever out there because that's the other side of it too. You know, for the pastor that's been burned ten times because the guy wants to do it his way or, or you know, then that can destroy you know things too. So do you have a process like that in place? I began the process connected to me. So I was the, I was the first mentor, and I mentored the group and asked them to begin to pick up and mentor others. Um, so initially, I, I set the culture. Um, and I guess I'm saying you have core values that you're doing in that that you take to that next person. Now you need to pass these core values on to the next and on to the next. Yes. Okay. Yes, and it's, it, again... It's extraordinarily formal in leadership, but this isn't just leadership. This is, this is what I'm saying is uh, what I'm hoping to do is on the team levels, let's say that I've got um, a youth pastor and they're asking their kids to do the same thing because it's built around, I want to grow. So, so when you hand it over to the kids to do it, um, I just want to be honest with you. It's you know it's it's on that level. So so for me, um, I hear I hear what you're asking, but I think that I think that the uh, uh, the accountability side isn't as much of an issue for us where we're at because of the way it started and where we're at is a is a culture now. So, um, and I and I'm extraordinarily blessed. I don't have a whole lot of folks who are. Uh, what I can't do is is get them to do more. They want Daddy to do it all, so um, um, I'm trying to get them to to pick it up. I don't have a whole lot of people going fighting to, for control or to wear my hat. So, uh, in a, in a different environment, yeah, you would have to you'd have to address that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I think your approach, I think your, you know, your people skills, and also your your buy-in. I I, I think that um, discipleship is is problem solving with people. To think to think that discipleship isn't going to be fraught with a ton of problems is to miss the point. Um, it's going to be fraught with, and 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 the more you try to disciple people, and the more inclusive you become. You know, right now we're thinking about having kind of like a, a we probably won't call it this because it would, it would be offensive to people, but, you know, the, the red group, they're the ones that they just need emergency triage, you know. Um, so, and, and not everybody's good with, with that group. This extraordinarily needy, their life, they have life-controlling problems. You know, they're struggling to get out of bed to go to work if they do go to work. So, you know, I think, I think that we're, we're looking at, okay, is it, is it better to fo- focus a whole lot more care and, and, and wholeness 
in that group in discipleship and then look at maybe some who are, um, who are young in the faith or young in, in their discipleship walk, but they're willing. And then others who are, they're green lights. They're, they're not yellow or red. They're just running. Um, and then sometimes you need, I think you need a stallion, a, a leader of stallions to lead that group. Because somebody who's used to dealing with people who struggle with all kinds of things are probably going to slow the stallions down. And the ones that are working with, with up-and-coming leaders are probably going to kill the people on this end. So, um, uh, yeah, I think, you have, I think you have to think through that and you have to recognize what, you, what your personality is and what your strength is. And, um, but but the, the, the process of, of developing leaders, discipling people, and connecting people together in meaningful relationships with, with a growth um, culture, in a growth culture, um, is th- I think this covers that and makes it very organic and very flexible. Um, I am probably uh, not a Henry Ford type guy, assembly line type guy. I'm very circular. I guess people would say that I, I approach things. I wouldn't have said this, but my leadership style really is a lot more postmodern. Um, it's 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 how can we customize this for every individual as much as possible and still make it simple. And um, so I think that's the goal of it. Other, other great questions. Other, other questions on the, on the network? Yes? Uh, how do you get people to think, well, that's a good idea to find some peers and some up-and-comings? They're saying, well, let's great. go after this. Let's try to actually do this instead of just thinking it's a good idea. Great question, and I think that that's, that's the one thing that all of us as leaders and, and anybody that's going to lead teams has got to recognize is if you don't have an urgency from God for it and you can't transfer that into those folks, they probably aren't going to do it. And even when, even when you do, as, as they're discipling, character's not being built, so perseverance is not a high character issue for them so they're going to stumble and fall so so you've got to you've got to light the fire of urgency okay so um throw out something from the group that you would say this is this would be a growth point that i would want to work with somebody on just randomly throw something out what would be what would be something that you think they would need to to grow in an area Okay, developing a healthy prayer life. All right. So what, what I would do is I would, I would say, first of all, to that, that person, if I was going to recruit them into a, um, a network, um, I would come up and say, look, I've been praying for you. You're on my heart. Um, I want to invest in you and help you to realize your full potential in Christ because you... you, you you get a little bit of it, but you don't understand what God's doing in your life. And, and I would really love, I'd be honored to walk beside you and help you understand who you are in Christ and help you to become everything you want to become. And so in that conversation, I'm saying, well, you know, what are some areas right now that you just feel that God's highlighting in your life? And they say, you know, it's my prayer life, Pastor. My prayer life stinks. You know, when we're around you and we're with, with the worship team, I can experience God. But when I go home 
and I, I begin to pray, man, I, I don't, I'm ashamed, but I don't feel like God's there. I don't know, even know if he listens to me or if, if he's talking to me. And so I said, I can help you with that. Okay? Uh, um, are, you, are you willing to walk with me in this? So the answer to your question is, is that I deliver on that, um, and it, it, requi- it, it provides such a, a buy-in now that their life is being changed. I say, okay, who can we together help? Who else can we help? Who can you help? And so that, that it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of Christian salesmanship. Not based on just something I need done, but based on the heartbeat of God that God wants this kid, that young man, to know his voice and he wants to be led by him. And what, what are we doing? You know, you think of a, of a person that's walked in your church for 20 years. What are we doing? They've been in the, the seat for 20 years and they're not sure if they hear from God. That, that can't be so. I think part of the urgency with this is that um, I recognize that just because people listen to me preach didn't mean that they were learning anything. And, and this brings it down to a level where I can at least begin in a small circle if I'm starting from scratch now I know Johnny's on board. He's hearing from God. We've got five or six others that are going through this process, and eventually it has changed the culture of the church. Um, so it's, I would say that anytime you do anything, it's critical that you know that this is an urgency from God and that you spend time making sure that the person you're asking to come with you understands why. And so a discipleship urgency is... The Great Commission isn't just to get saved, it's to, it's to be a spiritual giant for God. Why do we do discipleship? We're making spiritual giants so that we can put them in every strata of the culture so that they're in education, in business, in government, they're in the media, they're in entertainment, they're in the, they're in the arts, they're in every area and they're growing and they're having impact in people's lives. It might have been longer than what you wanted, but one of the one of the things I do with this when I'm developing leaders is that's the conversation I have with them right off the bat. Is I'm finding that some some of my young leaders struggle they'll say, "Yes, pastor, I'll do that for you." But they they're not urgent about it. They go home and they and three weeks later when we meet again, I go, hey, you know, what, what's up with that? And I've been praying about it. And they're like, about what? You know, the urgency. I didn't transfer the urgency. And so I've got to teach them that not only how to transfer it, but to accept it. And you shouldn't try to do anything if it's not, if it's not the heartbeat of Jesus. So two... Two, I kill two birds with one stone with this, and this is inspiring again, is the importance of hearing from God and instilling urgency. Jesus is standing. How many of you believe Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father right now yes. praying for you? Yes. He's praying for you. What do you think he's saying? Does he want you to know what he's praying? He's probably praying, Father, open his ears! Let them listen! Because I think Jesus said that. I wish you had ears to hear. 
but you can't. So Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding. What is He saying? And so on, on that side, there's an urgency to, to be able to learn to hear the voice of God and it's what, do I, what, am I, what should I be doing? I should be doing what the Father and the Son are praying about, they're talking about. If they're, if they're having a conversation about it, then I need to get on board and that's what I need to be doing today. Not my list. I need to get on his list. And Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. So that's a two-for-one combination for urgency and for hearing from God. Okay? Um, Another question, comment, as you're swallowing that down? (laughs) What time is this class over? Okay. 20 more minutes, okay. Sure, no, go right ahead. Yeah, that's why I'm pausing. So would it be safe to say, and I'm not trying to push it in a linear, in a linear format here, would it be safe to say if you were wanting to implement something like this, that the first thing that you would need to do is try to identify and begin to invest in the group of people who would be your mentors? Yeah, I would, I would find two people that liked me. <laughs> I, would, I would find two people that liked me and said, you know, guys, I know that you're going to think that this is, you know, whatever. But would, do you love me enough? Let's, let's pilot something. All right, I'm going to mentor you. I want to see if you can do Will you help me? Let's do an experiment. And I'm a, I'm a big guinea pig experiment. If it doesn't work, take it out in the parking lot, shoot it between the headlights guy. I, I don't really care. I'm looking for people who can problem solve and people who can, who can run with the process. So I would start with a slam dunk. Um, you know, I, I think when you're, when you're changing a culture and you're beginning to do that, you find the best. Don't try to circle your arms around too many people. When I, when I was in Royal Rangers back in the day, I learned that you start a fire with a little spark, with a little tiny bit of really dry wood, until I went to Florida and found out there's a thing called fat lighter. You know what fat lighter is? It's the, it's the pine tar root of the pine trees that's like turpentine, and all you have to do is um, heat it up to about 20 degrees and it explodes, you know. So there's no, I mean, I'm, I'm going, you guys are cheating. That's like carrying around... <laughs> Lighter fluid is what it is. But, but you want to start with just a spark. And that's such an important thing, is get it hot enough with the spark that it can, it can grow. If you try to get too many people that, that don't have buy-in, it's really, really hard. And, you, and it's easier, if this is stupid, and you, it's people that like you, it's easier to, shh, don't tell anybody what we did. <laughs> Rather than announce it to the church and roll out a program and everybody's going, we'll never do that thing again. You know. Is that helpful? Okay. <laughs> I, I practice a lot on people. The, 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 these, these things, this is, this is a church life thing, uh, the railroad really. Um, it, it's, it's just a simple 
very easy. Um, and I'll share something I ripped off from Conan's session, too, with you, too, for mentoring. Um, you know, whatever you're trying to teach somebody to do, it's a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of practical application. You want it because if it's a, we're all believers in Christ. We want a spiritual foundation, so make, make a commitment that you're going to be in the Word and you're going to be praying. And, and then reflection with mentors. This is really, this is the culture I'm trying to change. Is, I don't like this process. Me standing in front of a room and you listening. I don't like Sunday mornings, me preaching from the pulpit and people listening. I get very little accomplished there. I can get a whole lot more accomplished with you in five minutes one-on-one than I can in a group setting oftentimes. I don't think it's either or. I just think when you're trying to instill life change in people, it, it's very difficult to do that and answer everybody's questions. You know, Tim's got a question. Someone else got a question. Ken's got a question. And I can bop, bop, like this and model it. But if I was sitting down in front of you, we'd have a long conversation and you go, okay, I got this and out the door. And so that's, that's why you don't really, if you're going to train a Sunday school worker, you, you probably don't need to send them through 15 weeks. You probably need to put them next to a good Sunday school teacher um, and, and let them be mentored and, and give them enough information. This is, this is where the crayons are at. This is the curriculum. This is how the curriculum works. Now let's do it together. How did that go? It was a disaster. The kids ate the crayons. It was awful. I know we have that happen all the time. Um, we're trying to. We're going we're to give them magic markers because they don't taste as good. No. But uh, so you solve those problems, uh, and and you actually get people moving. We tend to give people way, 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 way too much information, and they're not listening anyways. And some of you have quit listening. So it's just, there's a, there's a it, information is only so much. And do you know what information without application makes you? A Pharisee. <laughs> That's just me. I, nobody else would say that. So you can blame that on me. <laughs> um, you know, the last person I want telling me to do something is somebody who's never done it. And, and can, I, can I help you with this whole deal of give and take? Is I listen to people. Um, I, we, we, we rolled out a, a, a program to help the East School. And there were several different entities in the community that were involved. And an assistant at one of the entities came up with this crisis in her mind of why we shouldn't be doing this. And she rolled this out and she told me a story about her grandson. And I said to her, does your grandson go to that school? She says, well, no. And I thought to myself, then why are you telling me this? <laughs> um, I have learned that if, if somebody is, isn't doing something successfully and they're, and they're coming to you telling you all the reasons why they can't do it, you might learn something, but don't, adjust your agenda. But if Pastor Lund comes to you and says, look, I've done this, and man, I just want you to be aware of a few things, and I know he's done it, I'm listening. 
I'm listening to Don. I'm listening to what he's got to say because he's been there and done that. And I say that to tie it into the importance of mentoring and the importance of, of you know, reflection and things is that if you want a person to be a good soul winner, you don't send them to a soul winning class. You send them out with a soul winner. That's why there's so many teachers in the Assemblies of God, because we teach all the time. Everybody can teach. It's modeled constantly. But the things that aren't modeled, we don't do so well. Yeah. And certainly, there's, if, if you've got the more assembly line approach to things, then it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a process to shift that. Um, but I think this is, this is much more effective and um, custom, custom made and, and tailored. The, the other document that you have that's a list of things that was really the subject of the first class, just want you to make, make you available this bring this to your attention and let, let you know that entry level and level one is available on that um, schedule app. And if you, if you can't find it, you can email me and I'll be happy to. I'll put my email up on the board. Happy to send it out. But I also wanted to see, as we're doing this, I wanted to, to your question, you know, do you have values? I wanted to give my mentors something to begin to look at. So what, what are leadership milestones they should reach? What are, what are leadership skills? What are vision milestones, vision skills? What are um, uh, spiritual life milestones? One would be salvation. Another would be participate in a, in a prayer meeting. Entry-level stuff. Um, skills, repentance, receiving forgiveness, learn to pray effectively. One of the simplest ways to teach somebody to pray effectively is just to break it down into two different things. Thanks and declaration. If declaration bothers you, you can use petition. But it, it, it really is semantics as far as I'm concerned. But... Most of the time when people pray, they focus on the problem rather than the problem solver. Thanksgiving forces them to thank God that, Lord, you've got confidence enough in me that I can survive this Monday and you've got an answer for Monday and I'm going to be a better person and you won't leave me and you won't forsake me. And, and, God, and you, you do that and you instill that that's what prayer is. They'll pray because now they feel good because Thanksgiving lifts the spirit of optimism and, and so, so we want them to, be, to give thanks. And then we, we want them to declare that the problem, that God knows the answer to the problem, and He's going to give them to us. And so teaching, 
teaching them to give thanks and then petition God specifically for what they thanked him for, for whatever the issue is. And immediately, and I'm sorry about this, but there's something about instantaneous gratification is when God answers the prayer request and you know he's answered it, it links the answered prayer to the act, which is what the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man does. He receives, that you receive the answer to your prayer. And I was taught that prayer is this thing that you labor under for 72 years and God only knows if an answer comes. Who wants to do that? No, I, you know, so, so th- those, are, those are ways in an, in an environment like that there's an easy way to, um, to train people, okay? So there are things like that, entry level um, and level one, is this sacrosanct? Do I think this is perfect? I'm probably going to change it when I get home. But it's, at least it's a template for you to say, well, I wonder if these are some of the things we need to do. The simplest thing is, is ask Tim, Tim, what's something you think God wants you to be able to do in the next three months? What's, a, what's, a, what's an obstacle in the way? Can we work on that? You get a few of those under Tim's belt, and he knows he can do that with other people. You've, you've got people growing, and there's, there's a lot of buy-in for that. Okay? All right. Any other questions, comments? You haven't heckled me once. I'm waiting. You've got five minutes. Come on. <laughs> You know, I, I'm dealing with that re- as, as we speak. You have, usually in leadership development, you, you're going to have some people who are running way ahead of where they should be and others who are dragging behind. And then the only reason you stay sane is you, there's a few that are walking in the step they need to. When, when they're running ahead, um, one of the things I've found is that they're lacking in emotional competency to be self-aware. Depending on the culture, and you've got, sometimes you've got to shift the culture and create this, is you've got to be able to have, it's kind of like what our first speaker said this morning, is honesty. Right. Is, there, is there an opportunity in a group of peers and, and in a safe place where we're not killing each other, you say, okay, how many of you think he's really ready to do that? And laugh and joke about it, or she's, is she ready to do that? But, but offer it as a, we want to grow. And, and if, if, you've, if you've done any studies on emotional competencies or social competencies, Reuven Baron states there's 15 of them. There's a lot of different versions of that. But, but um, being, being socially aware, 
being self-aware, um, those, those are critical things. And it's sometimes, sometimes they can learn if you give them a goal to, to meet. Um, you know, and depending on what the problem is, if they're tr- struggling gathering teams, make that the goal. And then say, well, what's the struggle? So sometimes if they, if they can't see that they're struggling with it, it's maybe because they're blaming everybody else. But a poor leader will always blame the people around them for why they don't have a team. You know, if I, if I say, get, get three people together to pray, and they couldn't find three people, I said, what about your wife? What about your husband? I mean, there's no one on the face of the earth that will put up with you and believe in you to pray? Nobody? You can't gather. No, you're, you're not, I'll just I'll throw one on the bus. You're not a leader. You, you, that's what a leader does. You've got to be able to gather somebody. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I'm working on that. And one of the things I've done is I've laid those, I, I call them emotional abilities that God gave you. Which ones of these do you have that are strong? And then I say, okay, that's their grade. What do you think? Boy, that has been stressful, but it's been good. It's been good. Great question. All right. You guys ready to go? Can I pray for you? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King Jesus, you make everything that you touch come to life. You improve every living thing just by your presence. Thank you that your face is turned towards this group this afternoon. Thank you that your heart is turned towards this group. Thank you that the energy of heaven and the authority that your Father has given you is turned towards this group. And Lord, I just ask that we would begin to believe and walk in the calling and the estimation of who we are and what we're supposed to do in Christ, that, that we, would, we would realize that humility is being in agreement with your, with your heart and with what you're saying about us. So Lord, I thank you that you're giving us the competencies and the confidence to rise up and be giant builders, to be giants ourselves and to call David's mighty men to call women like Esther to rise up for such a time as this. Now that you would, you would breathe on us and create that culture in our church, that God, they'll be shoulder to shoulder, mighty men and women of God that are changing the culture and changing the environments around them for, for heaven's sake. I bless them. Keep them safe as they go home. And Lord, pour out your favor upon their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys.